guys, what is going on? My name is Josh Lynn. This is episode three of Ornithologically Correct. And I know what a lot of you are saying, thinking and saying, uh, where have you been? It's been a minute. And I totally agree with you. Uh, the last, I think the last episode we did was uh, back in April. I think it was like April 6th. So yeah, we missed a lot. And uh, I have been dormant on the podcast front, but uh, I am here to tell you that we are back. I am here. I uh, would like to make this a regular thing for real this time. Going to be ramping up the coverage here, starting with the playoffs in which the Orioles are involved. And, uh, you know, hopefully this leads into 2024 and we can continue the, the good content for all y'all. So uh, this is going to be a uh, mainly a preview of the, the wild card round that starts tomorrow afternoon. It's going to be four games tomorrow, which is going to be awesome. Can't wait for that. Uh, and we're also going to be talking a little bit about the Orioles, of course, as this is an Orioles-centric podcast, but the majority of it will be a playoff preview of the wild card round. But first, we got to reflect on the 2023 Orioles, right? I mean, 101 wins. Uh, I'm, I'm still stunned by that. Uh, still brings a smile to my face every time I see it on the standings. It is crazy how how um, just incredible this season has been. Totally exceed exceeded my expectations and probably everyone else's too. Uh, I believe right before the season started, I predicted 87 wins. Um, I thought, you know, with just the natural progression of the young talent going from 83 to 87 would be natural. And also with the, the free agent acquisitions and the off, all the off season acquisitions that they made, I thought, you know, that would be a decent place for them and they would be contending for a wild card spot. Did not think the division was in the cards at all, to be honest. So t- the fact that they won the division first one since 2014, won 101 games, get that first round by, don't have to deal with this this wild card stuff that starts tomorrow. No, you just you can't complain. And it's just, you know, knowing that what's been built is sustainable for the next few years and the fact that they should not be going anywhere. It's it just such a good time to be an Orioles fan. Um, I would even argue to say it's we're in a better place than we were back in 2012 just because of the the fact that they are set up for such a long term. Uh, and that was a younger group of guys, too. Back then, I know, like, Jonesy was in his in his mid-20s. Marcakis was in his uh, late 20s. But this just has a completely different feel. And then add to that the fact that we have more prospects coming, including the best prospect in baseball. There's really very little reason to be any sort of pessimistic about this Orioles team. And I look forward to the, the ALDS starting. I will be down there uh, Saturday and Sunday for games one and two. So if you see me, please feel free to say hi, talk baseball. Uh, that is my that is my language. So yeah, please feel free to shoot me a wave or whatever if you see me down there. Games one and two, it's going to be exciting. I'm curious to see who will be playing, but we're gonna we're gonna touch on that uh, coming up in this podcast. But first, before we get into the American League, I did want to get into the National League. Uh, a lot of intriguing storylines there, and I'm going to start in Philadelphia with the Phillies taking on the Miami Marlins, who uh, this is their first time in the postseason since the COVID shortened season of 2020. But in terms of regular seasons that were, you know, full regular seasons, this is the first time they have made it since 2003 when they beat the Yankees in the World Series. So this has been a long time coming for Marlins fans. Super happy for them. They deserve it as a fan base. And they have they have an exciting team. Uh, They finished. so I think it's 84 and 78. It depends. I believe since that uh, that suspended game against the Mets will count as a one nothing loss. That will be their final record, 84 and 78. And game one, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be for the Marlins. Uh, Jesus Lazardo is going to be getting the start. And Zach Wheeler will be getting the start for the Phillies. And we're going to get into the Marlins, first of all. Again, huge underdog story. Uh, they actually – the have the lowest run differential of any playoff team, negative 55 and uh, much worse than the, I know the Cubs had a much better run differential and they didn't make it. And that's, that's how baseball goes sometimes, but they do have talent, uh, especially on the pitching side. Their pitching staff is, is fantastic. Uh, Like I said, Lizardo is getting game one. He was traded from Oakland a couple years ago for JJ Blade, who has unfortunately not panned out. So that turned out to be a great deal for Miami. He had a 3.63 ERA this year, 208 strikeouts, lefty. So he should uh, he should match up well against Bryce Harper at the very least and Schwarber. Uh, the 
Uh, game two, it's probably going to be Braxton Garrett, who is another talented left-handed starter. And then game three is a bit of a question mark if they get there. With uh, Edward Cabrera, I would guess the most logical option, but they're in a difficult spot uh, because two of their their pitchers have fallen to injury. Sandy Alcantara, chief among them, reigning Cy Young winner, who was not having a, a Sandy-like year even before he got hurt with uh, elbow soreness, but he was still eating innings, still had some good starts mixed in, and to to have him not even be an option is a huge loss for the Marlins. Um, I know he he tried ramping back up in a in a minor leagues rehab start and felt pain in the elbow again, so I'm not sure. Uh, prognosis probably not great for Sandy, but I I don't know if he's getting Tommy John or anything like that. But he definitely will not be on the table. And then their uh, the rookie Yuri Perez, who's 20 years old, came up, lit the world on fire, struggled a little bit, and then he uh, kind of ran into an innings limit. And I believe there was a, a nagging injury there, but regardless, he will not. He's been shut down. Will not be available. And he was arguably their best starter for a period. So that's that's a bit of a blow. But Lazardo and Garrett have both been uh, very good starters this year. Um, and then really, but what what has gotten them into the playoffs was the offense in the second half uh, and specifically the deadline deals that Kim Ang made to stabilize that offense by acquiring Josh Bell and Jake Berger. Uh, Berger has been probably their best hitter since since coming over. Huge power threat. Uh, Bell has hit a lot of home runs since since it's coming over. So those two uh, pickups specifically boosted them a lot. And then you obviously have Luis Arise, the uh, NL batting champion, who was traded for Paulo Lopez in the offseason at 354. Uh, his weighted runs created plus. Uh, that's where uh, 100 is major league average. He had 132, which led the team. Uh, the Marlins also have uh, Jorge Soler, who recently came back from injury. He had 36 home runs this year. Uh, we know he's had some big playoff moments previously. Jazz Chisholm, who is one of my favorite uh, players in baseball, he uh, has been injured off and on this year, but appears to be healthy at the right time and always a good uh, power and a a stolen base threat. Uh, They don't steal a lot of bases as a team. Jazz and and John Birdie are are probably the only real stolen base threats that the Phillies should be wary of. Um, So defensively, not great. they have the 28th lowest outs above, or yeah, 28th in outs above average, according to Baseball Savant, at minus 28. Which, uh, yeah, so that's down there. It's by far the worst defense uh, uh, playoff teams, and it's down there with uh, teams who are at the bottom of the standings that you would not, you know, obviously not contenders. So that could potentially be an issue. Um, while like Berger has been an a huge boost offensively. He is a bit of a liability defensively. Uh, Jazz has been between outfield and, and second base. So, uh, and then they had uh, like Joey Wendell, who I believe got hurt. So that that's going to be a bit of an issue. Something to look for, look uh, look at is something that the Phillies could exploit. Uh, but again, back to their pitching, it's been it's been fantastic. Uh, they have. Uh, a lot of good bullpen arms as well. Uh, Orioles fans will know Tanner Scott, who was uh, who was traded there a few years ago. He has been their closer and their best reliever. Uh, they also have AJ Puck, who's another power lefty. Uh, Stephen O'Kurt, Andrew Nardi. Uh, they actually they traded for David Robertson. Uh, they got him from the Mets at the deadline, but he has been a bit of a flop. Uh, he was, I think, they expected him to slot into the closer role to maybe move Tanner Scott down a bit, but he has not quite worked out. But he could eventually find his stride in the postseason does have does have experience so you know this is a good Marlins team I think they they did a good job at taking advantage of the Mets having a down year because really and the Padres if you think about it because of the wild card implications if those two teams were what people expected them to be the Marlins uh, would not be in this conversation so I think um, it was a really smart thing to do to upgrade at the deadline the way they did because they didn't mortgage the future, but they did enough to give them a chance in a year where they had one, uh, especially considering the Mets can throw money at the situation that they find themselves in and could very well come back in 24 and be a contender. So uh, definitely props to the Marlins for, for being proactive and taking a chance, especially 
when they haven't had many over the past two decades. And uh, we're going to be moving on to the Phillies now, finished at 90 and 72. And like I said, Zach Wheeler will be starting game one. Would imagine Aaron Nola is getting to game two. Game three, um, I think they could go a couple different ways. I'm sure Phillies fans would know better than I, but I, you know, they have Taiwan Walker, Ranger Suarez, who uh, was a starter for them last year during their World Series run, Christopher Sanchez, who's been great this year. Um, and then, you know, you have their their offense speaks for itself. They they have a bunch of good hitters. They are an elite offense. Uh, they had the, the fifth highest uh, weighted runs created plus since August 1st. And that's about when Bryce Harper found his stride and when Trey Turner, uh, you know, got out of his doldrums and and eventually became Trey Turner again. So this is a really, really good lineup. They have the uh, eighth most home runs in Major League Baseball. They hit 220. That's led by Schwarber, obviously, who had 47 and somehow managed uh, an 800 OPS despite a batting average under 200. That um, he should get a medal for that. I, I still don't like. I the, I know the math works out, but it just still doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Um, modern baseball, I guess, right? Uh, they also have, on top of Harper, Turner, Schwarber, they have Castellanos, Baum, and Real Mudo, who all hit 20 home runs or more. They have a ton of stolen base threats. Turner uh, is is chief among them. Brandon Marsh is another one. They have a lot of um, they have a lot of defensive flexibility, even though their their starting lineup may not be great. Especially Castellanos in the outfield is never something you want really play defensively. Um, he has a good arm, but his range is not really great, but they have flexibility with Marsh. They have Christian Pache. They have Johan Rojas, who's come up and played really good defense. So in a late inning situation, they can completely revamp their outfield and, and, you know, tur turn their run prevention up a couple of gears, which is crucial. Um, bench depth is is so crucial during this time, especially when they're, when they're apt defenders. Uh, they also have Bryson Stodd, who's an incredible defense or, uh, defender on the infield. Um, their their bullpen is good, but it has flashes of, I guess, they're a bit enigma enigmatic, I guess that would be a, a good way to describe them. Uh, Jose Alvarado, the lefty power closer, uh, former Ray, who everybody knows and loves. He's been generally dominant. Then they have Craig Kimbrell, who is, you know, been through this song and dance before, but he's been streaky. Gregory Soto has had moments. Matt Stram, Jeff Hoffman has been good for them. So a lot of power, power arms, if they can all meld together and, and pitch well at the right time, th there's no reason they couldn't make another, another run, obviously facing, uh, facing the Braves in the next, in the next round of the NLDS is a tall task for anybody because they're, historically great and just insane but the Phillies are good and you know I, I definitely they are built to to make another run for sure it's just a matter of how that that NLDS uh, works out and and with that I think the Phillies will win this series I think it'll go three I think I could I could see the Marlins taking game one with Lazardo pitching and I could just see their their offense running into a few pitches and and taking a game, but I think the Phillies offense will just be too much for them, especially with the starting pitching being in the precarious situation that it is after Lazardo. So I, as much as I would lo love the Marlins to go through as an underdog story, I think the Phillies are, are going to get through in three games and they'll take on the Braves in the NLDS. So uh, that leaves us the second NL wildcard matchup, which is the Milwaukee Brewers, who won the NL Central, facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are the wild card. The Brewers come in at 92 and 70, and they weren't, they didn't set the world on fire, but they, they had the division under control most of the way. There was a little uh, period there after the deadline when the Cubs got hot and the Reds got hot that they had, uh, they got to within striking distance of it, but the Brewers eventually pulled away in the end. And I think they were they were the class of that division and deserved to win it. And uh, game game one, it's looking to be Corbin Burns, which is no surprise for the Brewers. He's got a 3-3-9 ERA, prolific strikeout pitcher, as we all know. Uh, Diamondbacks, uh, as a result of not clinching that playoff spot until late, 
did not have a chance to work out their rotation. So they'll be starting Brandon Fott, the rookie, who was uh, their top pitching prospect in game one. Uh, he had a 5.72 ERA this year, struggled a bit, had some good starts down the stretch. And so that will leave Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly for games two and three, uh, three if necessary, of course. Would imagine Gallen would get game two just as their best, best pitcher. But uh, it's a good... It's a good matchup for Milwaukee in the first game. Obviously, I think getting game one is imperative with that matchup. Um, their their pitching is their their calling card. They uh, they have been a tremendous pitching team all year. Unfortunately, they got some bad news today when Brandon Woodruff uh, it announced that he's going to miss the wild card series and potentially the rest of the playoffs with a shoulder injury, which is something he's been combating uh, the last little over the last year. Uh, he did not pitch a lot this year. Uh, I think he made two starts in April and then came back in August and then uh, pitched the rest of the way before getting shut down with this injury. So that's a huge loss that uh, that's basically, you know, him and Burns are basically two frontline starters at that, at the top of that rotation. So to lose one of them hurts, but it won't be the end of them. They also, they have uh, Freddie Peralta, who's also very good. Uh, Wade Miley has had a very good season. Another name that Orioles fans will, know and love so you know for a, a three game series i don't think it's going to be a huge issue for them um now i would not expect a lot of offense in this series uh the brewers have a 92 weighted runs created plus which is eight percent below league average it's 23rd in the major leagues and it's the lowest of all the playoff teams uh the diamondbacks are slightly better they have a 97 weighted runs created plus it's 18th in major league baseball but still below average. So I think this is going to be a low scoring series. And then when you add the, the Brewers pitching and then the potential of gallon and Kelly in game two and three there, I don't think there's going to be a lot of runs, but nonetheless, the Brewers do have some good hitters. Uh, they have Yelich, Christian Yelich, obviously who's had a bit of a bounce back season. Who's been there. One of their best hitters, William Contreras, who they got basically as just a throw in, in a trade last year. Uh, has from the Braves has been outstanding for them, both offensively and defensively. Uh, they also have, uh, they got some really good uh, defensive or sorry to trade deadline acquisitions. They got Mark Kana from the Mets who has been above average as a hitter. I believe his uh, way to runs creative plus as a Met is in the one twenties, Carlos Santana. They got from Pittsburgh who, Everybody knows what he's going to bring. He's going to walk. He's going to hit home runs and he's going to play first base. And he's done just that. And he's given him a, a, a huge boost with his bat, uh, especially in a, a lineup that otherwise is not very good. It's a lot of young guys and uh, a lot of defense first guys. But that being said, their defense is outstanding. Uh, these uh, these two teams actually are outstanding. They are the, in terms of outs above average. They're the two best teams in major league baseball uh, the brewers have 40 outs above average and then the diamondbacks have 32 so the brewers are an exemplary defense they have uh and a, a couple of those young guys uh, joey weimer who's in center field bryce turang plays middle infield second base shortstop uh willie adamas who has had a down year with the bat and has not been what they expected him to be offensively but he's still incredible defensively sal freelick who is a top prospect who came up uh, in about around July or so has made some insane catches in the outfield. Dude has range for days. Uh, Victor Caratini, who's their backup catcher, along with Contreras, they are both outstanding defensive catchers and uh, Caratini can hit too. So really whoever they start a catcher, you, you can't go wrong there. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, the pitching, it's going to be there. The starting pitching between Burns, Peralta and Miley. Uh, the Woodruff injury, like I said, it sucks, but I think they should be able to navigate through it. And then their bullpen, they got a bunch of, I don't even know, man. They got some wizards in there. You got, you know, Devin Williams with his changeup, the airbender, as Pitching Ninja likes to call it. And then you have uh, Abner Uribe, who's come up this year, who throws a 100-mile-per-hour fastball that tails as if it's a changeup. Uh, really stupid. It makes no sense. <laughs> uh, Hobie Milner is another another bullpen arm that's been successful there. Uh, so yeah, it's a good, it's a good Brewers team. It's, it's definitely good. They, the fact that they were able to field a lineup that was full of a mix of disappointments like Adamus and then young guys like Terang and Weimer who were still trying to figure themselves out. 
uh, and yet the fact they were able to win their division rather convincingly is is very impressive and a testament to to their to their team. And then moving on to Arizona, finished with 84 wins, kind of backed into the playoffs a little bit. Uh, it was it was getting hairy there at the end, uh, as you know you had uh, Arizona, the Marlins, the Reds. Uh, Cubs and even the Padres on the periphery, they're battling for that playoff spot and they were all kind of playing each other. So they, they faltered a little bit, but Hey, they made it. So that's all that matters. And uh, like I said, Brandon fat will be starting game one for them. And then as they move on, they'll be able to put their frontline guys, Kelly and gallon in there. Um, but yeah, not a good, not a great offense, but they, they got some stars like Corbin Carroll, obviously the runaway NL rookie of the year already, an elite offensive player. Uh, Carroll is just an absolutely electric player. One of the fastest players I've ever seen has pop good defensive player. Got to worry about him. Cattell Marte, who's been a consistent hitting middle infielder for them for several years now. Christian Walker, another former Oriole alert, uh, another 30 home run season hit 33, uh, 33 this year, which uh, I didn't never never saw that coming out of Christian Walker, but I'm happy he's having a good career and is a, a pivotal part of the lineup. Uh, also, and if you'll excuse my dog, uh, Geraldo Perdomo, who's uh, an outfielder who's been a, a solid hitter for them, and Gabriel Moreno, uh, the catcher who they got in the Dalton Varsho trade, has come on late and turned himself into a good hitter as well, who they can depend on. But beyond that, there's not a ton. Uh, they had a lot of weak hitters. I know Alec Thomas, who is a top prospect as well, uh, has rebounded a little bit offensively, but still not what he was expected to be. So, you know, if somebody like him could could break out and have a good series, that would be a huge boost for the D-backs. Um, their rotation is thin. Uh, Gallon and Kelly, after that, it's slim pickings. I, I mean, they they wouldn't be starting a rookie uh, with a 5.72 ERA in game one if if they had a better option. Uh, so that could be problematic even in this series, but assuredly if they were to win the series, it's just, it's so hard to get to get through a playoffs with essentially two effective starting pitchers. Uh, if not impossible, uh, their bullpen is also a little shaky. They have the 24th uh, lowest bullpen ERA of four, two, two in the major leagues. They did, they traded for Paul Seawald from Seattle at the deadline, hoping that it would give them a bit of a boost, but it, um, he's been okay. Uh, started out a little shaky, but just it hasn't worked out to the degree that I think the Diamondbacks expected. So that's going to be a concern for them in the late innings, especially in game one. If Fat has a bad start and then they're taxed, you know, what does that do for game two? So it's it's going to be an uphill battle for for Arizona. I do think the Brewers are going to sweep the series in two games. Um, like I said, it's going to be a low scoring game because they don't really have a standout offense, but I think the Brewers have more guys who are capable of, of breaking out and having a good series. So I would definitely, I would definitely put money on the Brewers there. And I think, I think that that one's going to be the, the least competitive series of the four wildcard series. Um, and that, that covers the NL and they will be uh, facing the Braves and Dodgers respectively in the NLDS, both of those teams had buys. So uh, that's going to be a meat grinder for, for both teams that win those wildcard series, because those Dodgers and Braves are, are juggernauts as they always are. So uh, now it's time to move on to the American league, uh, which will be more relevant for Orioles fans like myself. And we're going to start with the AL central champion, Minnesota twins facing division rival, the Toronto blue Jays uh, out of the AL East. Twins finished at 87 and 75, and uh, the Blue Jays at 89 and 73. Game one has been announced going to be Pablo Lopez starting for Minnesota, and he will be going up against Kevin Gossman of Toronto. Uh, game two is looking like Sonny Gray for Minnesota, and then potentially Bailey Ober for game three. Uh, I would personally, I would put Ober in that in that spot, but it hasn't been announced yet, so uh, you know. We'll see how that goes. But uh, the Twins have, you know, they were very uninspiring for the first half of the season as the entire AL Central was for most of it. Them and Cleveland were kind of 
going back and forth. And then the twins eventually pulled away uh, largely because of the offense blew up in the second half. Uh, they, since July 1st, they had the fourth highest weighted runs created plus in all of baseball, which is not something you would expect out of this twins offense, but they were tremendous. Uh, they were led by the former number one overall pick Royce Lewis, who had 15 home runs in 55 games, including four grand slams, which is absurd. Uh, he had a 155 weighted runs created plus, which is, uh, you know, that is exemplary or, you know, I, I there's gotta be a different word. I got, I need a thesaurus if I'm going to do this podcast, you know what I mean? But no, it, uh, 155 weighted runs created plus is, is elite. Uh, granted that is a, a small sample, but, uh, he has the pedigree and he, he was tremendous. Unfortunately, tweaked the hamstring recently. Uh, it's remains to be seen if he's going to be available for the series and it would be a huge loss and just a tough break for him because he's dealt with injuries. I, he's had two ACL tears in his professional career. So I hope for his sake, he's available and for the twins sake, because they, they really do need him. Uh, they do have some other good hitters, though. They have uh, another rookie, Edward Julian, a second baseman who has a surprising pop for a second baseman. He also uh, very good on base skills. He's not no stranger to walks over a 360 on base percentage. Uh, you have Max Kepler, who's been there. Uh, Wal- Matt Walner, who's another rookie. Uh, Jorge Polanco, who's been there shortstop for several years now. Uh, usual suspect. So they, they have a little bit of depth to this lineup. Uh, Ryan Jeffers is another, uh, another, uh, their catcher who has, uh, stepped up and done well, uh, since Christian Vasquez, uh, was initially their starting catcher, but Jeffers has been a better offensive option for them. Uh, their defense is below average, uh, in the bottom third of major league baseball, not to the point of being a liability, but it's just something to look at. Uh, and it's definitely worse now without Byron Buxton and, Carlos Correa has taken a step back in in most facets of his game, not just defensively. So that hurts. Um, but like I said, I don't think it'll be a liability or anything that would cost them a series. Uh, and part of the reason why is because not just because of their uh, starters who have been great. You had Lopez, um, Gray, Ober, Tyler Malley, unfortunately got hurt earlier in the year, but he was very good. Uh, they even got a couple good starts out of Dallas Keuchel, which was a pleasant surprise for them. But their bullpen is the is the star of the show because of their prolific strikeout rate. Uh, they have some flamethrowers, so it's you know the, a below average defense means a little bit less when you have guys that make it harder for the hitters to hit the ball. Uh, and uh, Juan Duran is chief among them. Everybody knows you know hundred mile an hour fastball, the the splinker, the split like it just cooked up in a lab somewhere that he throws at like 98, which is stupid. Uh, they also have uh, Emilio Pagan, Griffin Jacks, uh, who are, have been very good relievers for them this year. And they've also got a, uh, a really good story by the name of Brock Stewart, a 32 year old reliever. Who's been a journeyman. Uh, he had a, has a career four, nine, three ERA uh, in limited action with, the Dodgers, Blue Jays, and then the Twins this year. But he has a sub-1 ERA uh, in a little over 20 innings. So uh, it'll be it'll be uh, interesting to see if that that story rolls over into the wildcard round. It's just as another reliable arm. Uh, you know, they're going to need they're going to need all of the arms they can get against the Blue Jays offense, even though they uh, haven't been what we all expected, which leads me into the Blue Jays, who, like I said, they won 89 games. I personally thought that they were going to win the division before the season started. I thought that they were going to be overwhelmingly good, but they just turned out to be normal good, which has got to be a bit of a disappointment for the Blue Jays fans. They like, I mean, uh, Bobachet was their standout. He had a, a decent Bobachet season. He was hurt a couple of times, but when he was uh, when he was healthy, he was Bo. So there's nothing nothing wrong with one of their. Uh, core pieces. Yet Brandon Belt, who was arguably their second best hitter, um, and at times maybe even their best hitter, he had a 369 WOBA this year, which is highest of all uh, Blue Jays hitters. Um, Vlad Guerrero Jr. He, you, you could probably argue him being the biggest disappointment of the Blue Jays hitters, 
strictly because of the expectations. Like he still had a good year, a, a good year, 26 home runs, uh, 90, I believe it was 94 RBIs. His batted ball statistics were in line with previous years where he mashed. So I'm not worried about Vlad it, uh, at all. And, you know, he's obviously in a three game series, he can go stupid and just destroy a team by himself. So that, that thread is there. And even if the stats don't show it, uh, I think Vlad is Vlad. He's only 24 years old. So I'm, you know, I wouldn't be worried about him at all long-term, but he's certainly capable of exploding in this playoff series and his power, uh, his power up ticked up a bit near the end of the season. He had a couple uh, big games. I know he had a two homer game against the Rays that was instrumental in the Orioles clinching the division. Uh, so thank you for your service, sir. Um, but uh, yeah, and then they have, you know, George Springer took a step back, but he was still okay. Um, Dalton Varsho, who was their marquee trade addition on the offense, did not have the year that they expected. Uh, he had a breakout year for Arizona last year, had over f- or almost five fan graphs war, and his batting average ticked up a bit to go along with the power, but it kind of dropped again this year. Still over 20 home runs, still a good defender, though. Um, and a, another guy capable of, of going off. And, and, you know, it's weird talking about the, the Blue Jays offense in a pejorative sense, because they still did have a good offense. Uh, they had the uh, sixth lowest strikeout rate of all uh, major league teams. They had a 107 weighted runs created plus, which is above average. So it's, it's just, yeah, it just screams of an offense that underachieves in the regular season and then just goes on a tear in the playoffs. I could definitely see a scenario in which that happens. Um, so, and then to go along with that, you have the pitching. Kevin Gossman, Orioles fans know all about him, had a 3-1-6 ERA. He had the third highest strikeout rate of qualified Major League starting pitchers at 11.53 strikeouts per nine. Uh, you know, just you name it, he's elite in that category. Cy Young finalist last year. So game one is going to be a tough, tough task for the Twins bats to get anything out of him. But, you know, they have a couple guys that can work accounts, so maybe they get lucky. But uh, game two, they, they have a lot of choices because they have a deep rotation. They have Jose Barrios, Chris Bassett, Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu came back from, from injury, but I don't think he would be an option to start. So I think those out of those three Berrios, Bassett, Kikuchi, uh, game two and a potential game three would come out of those three arms. Uh, but to have, especially like Kikuchi in a bullpen as a power lefty could be a, uh, a huge advantage for Toronto in a situation where, you know, especially in playoff games where matchups are, pl- are, are played more the leash is much shorter for starters and relievers. You know, I could see him being put into a high leverage situation where there's, where there's lefties up like uh, Julien and Kepler. Um, So that, that pitching depth, I think is going to be a huge benefit to the, to the Blue Jays for sure. Uh, They had the fourth lowest ERA of major league pitching staffs. It was three, seven, nine. And that includes some really good bullpen arms. Uh, Jordan Romano, their closer, is, is chief among them, who was dominant. He did have some issues in non-save situations. So I don't know if there's anything to that. Um, if it's like a mental thing or it's just a coincidence, I would lean towards the latter. But he's still a power reliever. Uh, and I know he was dealing with a blister close to the end of the season. Uh, but I believe that's been taken care of at this point. Uh, and then they also have. Uh, Yimmy Garcia, Eric Swanson, Tim Meza, who's another power lefty. Uh, then the two acquisitions that they made, uh, they got uh, Yenesis Cabrera, who they cl- I believe they claimed him off of waivers from the Cardinals, and then Jordan Hicks, who they uh, traded, for, uh, they acquired from the Cardinals, excuse me. Both power arms, however, they're both um, can be erratic at times, uh, Cabrera especially. But when they're on, they are dominant power relievers, and you cannot have enough of those in a playoff scenario. So I think overall, I think the Twins, I think this is their year to win a playoff series. They haven't won a playoff game since, I believe it was 2004. That's definitely, I think, coming to an end. I think 
their pitching will be enough to get them through. Um, and it's just as, as much as I do think that the blue Jays have busted or breakout potential that just, it just hasn't se- seemed like their year all year. It just, I, I don't know if it's the vibes, but just, you know, a lot of guys underachieved or performed under their expectations on the offensive side. This is a gut, a gut thing for me. I think they're even, they're evenly matched and I, I would, probably lean towards the Blue Jays from a talent perspective, but I think the twins have been playing well and it just, yeah, my gut says twins at three. I do. I do. It's going to, I think all the games will be, will be closely contested, but I think they, they have enough to get it done. So um, they'll be facing the Houston Astros in the ALDS. If all goes according to plan and my predictions are correct. So good luck to whomever wins that series. And now, Last but not least, moving to the series that Orioles fans are going to be watching the closest, certainly I know I will, will be the Rays and the Rangers. The winner will be meeting the Baltimore Orioles next Saturday for game one of the ALDS. Uh, the Rays, 99 and 63, the most wins of any of the wildcard teams. And in, in a fair uh, playoff format, they probably would not be playing in this wildcard round. Uh, and I'm so thankful that the Orioles won the division and stuck them with it because I do not want to be here at all. Um, they will go against the Rangers who are 90 and 72, who are, poof, what do you say about them? Uh, <laughs> they looked like they were a juggernaut running away with the division. And then they just fell flat on their face for a little bit, had some injuries the Astros came in it, came back into it. The Mariners came back into it even. I think the Mariners were up a game and a half at some point a few weeks ago. Looked like the Rangers' chances of winning the division were done. And they kind of they put, a, uh, put up a fight at the end of the season. Looked like they may be able to pull it out. But eventually they ended up losing the AL West to the Astros via a tiebreaker. Uh, they both finished with identical records, but the Rangers lost the tiebreaker. So they will be facing off against the Rays. In game one, it has been announced it's going to be Tyler Glasnow against Jordan Montgomery, who the Rangers acquired at the deadline from St. Louis. We're going to start with the Rays. So Glasnow has been really good for them in a time where they really need it. Um, and this is another team you thought was going to be running away with the division like the Rangers. Started 13-0, 20-3. They had significant division leads over every single opponent. And then just the injuries, I think took their toll and they started playing worse baseball. And then the Orioles started playing really, really good baseball and, and put them away in August and uh, kept them behind, even though we got a little bit of a scare there in September. But uh, yeah, I think injuries is, is definitely the, the story of this, this raised team as good as they are uh, just so many huge injuries um just so shane mcclanahan drew rasmussen uh jeffrey springs garrett clevenger shane baz jason adam brandon lowe luke rayleigh jose siri and then on top of that the whole unfortunate situation um not for the alleged situation sorry i'm trying to be careful around this the alleged situation with wander franco being on administrative leave probably not going to come back and rightfully so uh he was their best hitter but that that's really a you know trivial compared to the the seriousness of that situation um but they they've lost a lot and they've used their depth and their their minor league system to overcome it and the fact that they even flirted with 100 wins and the division is a testament to the all of that depth and talent that the Rays have and that they have cultivated um, and the offense is still pretty loaded, and it was co- consistently one of of the best in baseball. They had the second highest uh, weighted runs created plus in 118, uh, fourth and on base percentage. They got uh, Yandy Diaz, who uh, won the AL batting crown and uh, found a power stroke that he hadn't had in seasons prior. Uh, Isak Paredes hit 31 home runs. Josh Lowe and uh, Randy Arona's Arena both had 2020 seasons. Uh, just hitters everywhere. They even had guys like uh, Curtis Mead, Junior Caminero came up and made a cameo there at the end of the season. 
just absolutely loaded with talent. Uh, Manuel Margot, another, you know, solid hitter for them. Uh, and even Jose Siri, uh, before he got injured, was having a really good season with the bat uh, in addition to his his defense that he's known for. So this is a really good, good offense that's hard to get out. And the I think that that added power dynamic for them is huge because they've never they were always more of a contact and on base team with some steals and they never really had like a ton of power hitters that stood out. But the fact that they now have, you know, Diaz Paredes or Rosarena adds a, another dynamic to that offense that makes them even more dangerous. And then the, the defense has been, it's not a, an elite raised defense, but it's above average. And uh, Siri is a focal point of that. And he, him coming back would just be so huge. Uh, I believe he's he's taking batting practice. Uh, he fractured his hand uh, a few a few weeks back, so I think that's going to be a touch and go situation for for them. But that would be a huge boost defensively, even if he can't give them anything with a glove. Uh, he he's one of the best defenders in baseball. So anytime you can get a guy like that back, it's it's a huge uh, boost to your chances. So that'll be a, a storyline to watch. Um, and then going to the pitching, I mean, what do you what do you say? I mean, how do you lose, you know, McClanahan, who was an all-star? I think he started the all-star game, if I remember correctly. One of the best lefties in baseball. Rasmussen was incredible. Springs was incredible. So that's three starters gone. And it just it felt like they weren't even they weren't even gone because of how well the race did. It's It's just remarkable. Um, and then the, the bullpen is still stacked. You got Pete Fairbanks out there throwing 101. Uh, Andrew Kittredge, who recently came back from injury, he was an all-star prior. Uh, Sean Armstrong, former Oriole, who's turned into a really good reliever for them. Colin Poche, a lefty. It's just options upon options upon options. And then the shortening of the rotation is going to help that. Um, and it, uh, speaking of that, I think, you know, game two, they have some options. Uh, it's probably going to be Zach Eflin. I think uh, that might have been actually announced already, who has been tremendous for them. Uh, really good. One of the few uh, free agent starting pitching signings that's that's worked out for any team. Uh, Aaron Savali, who they got at the deadline, I think could be an option for game three, although he hasn't been great for them. Zach Littell is another one. Uh, the rookie Taj Bradley. Um, I would guess Littell maybe Savali, but I, I maybe I, I think they would go with Latell just because he's gotten better results for them. But you know, then being able to move at least for this series, Savali and Bradley to the bullpen just makes their bullpen even more ridiculous. But those are, are guys that would be looking to start, especially if they the Rays advance. Uh so moving on to the Rangers, uh like I said, kind of just backed into this playoffs after setting a really torrid pace, uh, their offense, there's just not, not enough good things, good, uh, good words to say about their offense, how, how dominant it, it was. Um, they had the fourth highest weighted runs created plus in baseball, third in on base percentage led by Corey Seager, who finished second to Yandy Diaz by decimal points in, in the AL batting crown, 33 home runs. Uh, in 119 games, ended up with 6.1 fan uh, Fangraphs WAR, um, and I always use Fangraphs to cite WAR. So if I don't say that in the future, uh, I do. <laughs> uh, and then also the other guy they picked up in free agency uh, last year, Marcus Semyon, 29 home runs, 14 steals, 122 runs, which led the AL, and I believe was fifth in the major league, trailing only a few. Uh, I think Acuna, Acuna, Matt Olson, Freeman, and Betts, I think, were the only four above him in runs. So he's he's an elite company, always on base. Adelise Garcia, 39 home runs, another guy that scored over 100 runs. They have Josh Young, who uh, was the third baseman that was looking to be the front runner for AL Rookie of the Year for most of the season, but then got hurt and kind of uh, his offense kind of trailed off there. At the end of the season, they have Nathaniel Lowe at first base, Jonah Heim, Form another uh, Oriole farmhand at catcher who missed uh, his injury and their their downfall kind of coincided. He's a huge part of their offense and defense as a catcher. He's a, an incredible defensive catcher. 
Uh, and that's something he's been known for since he was drafted out of high school in the Orioles system. Uh, and, you know, he was his scouting report. I remember it always being, you know, he's going to get to the major leagues based on his glove. Uh, the fact that he's become a great hitter as well is a huge boost. And it's why he's now an all-star catcher instead of just a, a really good serviceable backup or a, an average starter. They also have uh, Ezekiel Duran, who, again, his offensive production uh, tailed off a little bit there close to the end of the season, but another good option. Uh, the the starters, I'm not, I don't think will be a problem. So like uh, Jordan Montgomery will get game one. A little, a little, uh, his stats were slightly worse than what they were when he was in St. Louis, but still a good starter. And I think we'll be able to get at least five good innings out of him if they need. Uh, Dane Dunning, I would guess, would get game three if it's if it gets to that point. Uh, and then, you know, the, like, obviously, they would love to have DeGrom and Scherzer available at this point. And not having those two is is rough, um, especially, I guess, Scherzer, because they were expecting him to be part of it until he got hurt. You know, DeGrom was kind of an earlier thing, and they were were able to to plan for that and that's part of why they did trade for for Montgomery and and Scherzer um but it you know Eovaldi again like I mentioned with with Zach Eflin another, one of the few free agent pitchers that actually did pan out and, and got results uh Andrew Haney is another uh starter for them that uh, they acquired in free agency this offseason that uh did okay but I don't I don't think he'll get a, a start in a, a certainly not in the wild card series um but their bullpen is a three bell alarm. Like it is, it's not good. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's just really, it's, it's more than a red flag. Like it's, it's a lie. It, it's a liability for sure. Um, they blew 33 saves this year. So a team with 90 wins blew 33 saves that, um, they were tied with the Rockies for the worst, uh, the the most blown saves this year. And the Rockies are are one of the worst teams in baseball and are generally hopeless. So anytime you are uh, placed in a statistical category close to the Rockies, you should probably look and see what you could do better. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, like they traded for Aroldis Chapman at the deadline. Uh, traded Cole Reagans for him, who became one of the best starters in the American League immediately after. So that one, I think, is going to sting. Uh, and he's even been good, but like he he had a really shaky performance against the Mariners. Uh, he threw eight pitches and loaded the bases, and the Mariners eventually walked it off after he was pulled. But that is not instilling confidence uh, into your manager or the rest of your team or your fans heading into the playoffs. And I think it, it just I don't see how you make a playoff run with a bullpen like that. Um, like they have a few other guys like Will Smith, uh, Jose LeClerc, who went on are good, but they're just volatile uh, as with the rest of the bullpen. And it it just, they would have to score so many runs to overcome it. And while they can, um, the Rays pitching and the fact that they can also score runs, I, I just don't, I don't see a pathway forward for the Rangers given that bullpen. I think they're going to get a get uh, get a game. I think either Montgomery or Evaldi will pitch well enough to keep them in a, into a game and allow that their offense to to pad the score a little bit. So hopefully that their bullpen won't be an issue. But I just can't see their bullpen being dependable for two or three straight games. I, I just it's too much of a liability, and it's hopefully something. We'll hope for Rangers fans. Hopefully something that they address in the off season, but as currently constructed, I just, I can't, I can't see them advancing. So I think the Rays are going to be the team that will end up facing the Orioles this, uh, this coming weekend at Camden Yards. So yeah, that'll be the, that's the, uh, the wildcard preview, a lot of exciting series, a lot of exciting teams and players to watch. I am excited for four games on four playoff baseball games on my television tomorrow. Give me all that. I will be sitting here working and glancing over my shoulder as much as I possibly can to check the scores. And then once work is over, I will not be leaving my couch 
as I watch the rest of the games. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I think we're going to be going Phillies, Brewers, Twins, and Rays will be advancing. So it'll be, uh, in my opinion, I think it'll be a Phillies, Braves, Brewers, Dodgers, Twins, Astros, Rays, Orioles. Those will be the division series matchups. You heard it here first. I will be back uh, close after the wildcard series wrap up. I'll be back to preview the Orioles ALDS series as well as touch over the uh, the other division series. But it'll be more Orioles centric next time for sure. I uh, just wanted to get back and talk to you guys. I miss doing this so much. And uh, I appreciate anybody that takes the time to listen, especially after taking six months off. Um, just had some personal mental hurdles to overcome just to to kind of get back in the headspace to do this. But I'm back. I'm feeling good. Hard not to with the Orioles doing this uh, and knowing that I'm going to be down there for some playoff games. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, super excited for this playoffs to start. Super excited to talk to y'all. I will be back next week. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at JJLynnJJ, and that's Lynn, L-I-N-N. And then you can follow the show's page at the underscore OC underscore podcast. You can see it if you are watching on the ticker below that I am poorly pointing to. So be sure to follow, subscribe to the underscore OC underscore podcast on YouTube. And if you search ornithologically correct on any major podcast service, you will find it. I promise you. And if you don't, it's under the Pesky Podcast Network, which is a Red Sox podcast that even if you're not a Red Sox fan, listen to it. Do it now. I implore you right after this, right after you listen to all mine, go listen to them. Uh, they are very generous in, in having me as part of their network. So uh, definitely support friends who support us. But uh, until next time, I've been Josh Lynn. This has been Ornithologically Correct. Enjoy the playoffs and we'll see you soon.